Let's turn to 1 Peter and continue on through 1 Peter here. We have made it through to chapter number 3 in a little under a year. So another year we'll get through the end of the book. Or Jesus will come. And we won't have to worry about it. The Word was made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And they said, the God, the Word of God, he has his name written. Part of his name is he is the Word of God. He is, was the voice walking in the garden. Uh, but uh, we will see him, that Word that was made flesh. And we've seen him by faith, but we will see him. The brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, we will see him who our eyes shall behold, as Job said, and not another. Uh, and uh, I will also see him on this earth. He'll be standing on this earth. Uh, and he will rule and reign. And I don't know what the communists are going to do during that day, but it won't really matter. Uh, they won't, uh, most of them probably won't bow to him either uh, in their hearts, but they will outwardly in that day. And uh, whether they like it or not. And so anyhow, I look forward to the day. But uh, I'm glad I can enjoy uh, heaven now. I'm glad I don't have to wait. Uh, I can enjoy um, my position in Christ now. And that's some of what in First Peter chapter number 3 where we have... Um, gotten to a little bit. He's going to exhort them if I can find where we had been in chapter number two, uh, looking at the way to conduct ourselves as pilgrims. Uh, we went through the works that must continue. And then in chapter number three, we looked at the end there of the washing of the conscience uh, and all that that accomplished. And uh, then now, as we get into chapter number four, uh, we're going to look at the warfare that's considered uh, or the warfare that is common. Uh, I toss both of those two words around, but I'm going to go with considered. So we're going to look in chapter number four at the warfare that is considered. Now he's just dealt with the washing of the conscience. He talks about uh, baptism, uh, says when once at the end of chapter three, verse 20, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. And so we know what that's talking about because the next verse says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. And so we've looked, uh, we looked at a little bit of that and looked at how physical water cannot reach the conscience. Uh, and so it's obviously not dealing with the uh, salvation of the soul. It was talking about the figure of how that saved him from judgment. Uh, the water also bore the ark up and delivered him through the judgment below of what was damning the rest of the world uh, saved wherein there was few. And that's the same thing that is now because it's going to go into chapter number four and talk about that who's ready to judge the quick and the dead. Uh, but anyhow, so we saw that baptism uh, is necessary for salvation, uh, the right kind of baptism, uh, the baptism of the Spirit. And so we see that we have all been baptized into one body, the body being made up of many members. Uh, we're all baptized by the Holy Spirit into that body. 
And so um, we are the fulfillment of these types and figures, the circumcision and uh, the various, the being born again and all the spiritual uh, Christ fulfilled, uh, all of those types and figures uh, in the Old Testament that were pointing to uh, even in the uh, sacrifices and all those things. And so it says now the like figure, whereunto even baptism does now also save us, also, obviously not speaking, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, which is all the ordinances of contained in the law could accomplish, a purification of the flesh, Hebrews says, uh, but could do nothing as pertaining to the conscience. And so Jesus got where water can't get. Uh, by the Holy Ghost, and now washed us and cleansed us, and we stand just in heaven uh, by the operation of God. Uh, things done that cannot be seen, uh, a new birth that's not seen on the outside, a baptism that's not seen on the outside, a circumcision that's not seen with the eyes. It's a, uh, something that was done deep down and now has changed you, and you are no longer a leper, but you are a saint and a child of God. And so that is a wonderful truth. And how did this happen uh, in verse 21? Uh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God uh, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that one thing uh, is what separates us from almost every other religion on earth, uh, not just in the uh, considering that we are saved through atonement and not attainment, uh, but in the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Uh, the Muslims even believe that Jesus uh, existed and they just differ on what happened to him. Uh, they think that uh, he was carried on into heaven, that he never did even die. Uh, and so they believe things about Jesus that uh, you and I know are not so. Because I am he that was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore. Jesus not only died for your sin. That's what I, I hate sometimes about the Roman Catholic religion always is focusing in on the death of Christ. It's all about the crucifixion. That's wonderful. I mean, thank the Lord for the cross. But he's not still hanging on a cross. He went to the grave and was buried and by his own power took his own life again and willingly gave up the ghost. He laid his own life down by his own power and he took it again by his own power because he is life and he is able to give life to every he wants to because he is life. And uh, so he has life in himself. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Uh, he's not deriving his life from anyone else like me and you. Uh, but anyhow, he is life. And so and this is what baptism is talking about. We didn't just die in the washing, the putting away, the filth, the flesh. But we've been risen to walk in the newness of life and the power of the Spirit. Thank goodness for salvation that uh, uh, washes your conscience and you're no longer guilty in, your, in that sin as a guilty sinner before God and you're pure and you're clean and you're justified. Who is he now that condemneth? Who is he? That, it's Christ that justifies. And so that's our standing. Uh, but then that goes on. That's not the end of what Christ accomplished for us. Uh, he accomplished for us the ability no longer to live to the lust of the flesh. Uh, how are we that are dead to sin should live any longer therein? 
so Christ has now given unto us power to walk in a new life that we are no longer living uh, to the lust of men and the lust of the flesh, but to the will of God, he's going to say. And that is something we don't focus on enough. I mean, thank the Lord for the cross, but in the resurrection of Christ from the dead, he imparted to you life, and because he's alive, you always will live. Because he lives, you live. That's a true song that songwriters said. And uh, so uh, in the, a lot of people don't like to focus on this, uh, but the truth is the Lord has given you power in the spirit to overcome the lust and, the, and not fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. And uh, they don't like that. People want to go around kind of like a victim to their sin nature or a victim to their flesh. Not so if you're a Christian. Now, you're, you may going to be like the rest of us and struggle in this dead body, uh, but uh, the Lord has given us all power. Uh, and so the Bible said this, um, uh, uh, that, uh, that we don't have any excuse because uh, we don't have to give in to temptations and sins. Uh, the Bible says he's also made a way to escape. Now, they make that to say uh, God will never put any more on you than you can bear. That's not what that verse is talking about. Uh, but it said that you will with the temptation uh, have a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And, uh, and so uh, somebody said, well, I didn't have any choice. But uh, not, if you're saved, you've got a choice. You don't have to sin. Uh, we all do it, but uh, it, ain't, it ain't the expectation. We're told not to because we're expected not to because God's given us the power not to give in. Now, we do it, and we're a liar if we say we don't. So anybody that says they've perfected the flesh, has uh, uh, their brain has really let them down and has failed them dramatically. Um, so anyway, but the Lord has given us all power uh, to be able to live uh, the Christian life by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what makes us uh, uh, so much different. This is the gospel message that we preach uh, to this world that is the different. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's alive forevermore. And uh, so the Muslims are wrong. Uh, anybody else that thinks anything differently about Jesus is wrong, Jesus is alive and seated on the right hand in the heavens. Muhammad Muhammad didn't even believe in himself. Uh, he, he didn't even testify of himself that he could work any miracles. He wasn't even approved as an Old Testament prophet. He failed when he went into Mecca to begin with. They didn't even receive him, drove him out of there, and he had to go try to get an army together and come back and defeat them, and they were about a mess anyway, uh, and didn't even hardly accomplish anything. Didn't even write what they attributed to him writing. It was gathered by another caliph. But anyway, uh, so uh, we are quite different than any other religion in the world and that we're exclusive and that our Savior, our God is not Allah. He is I am that I am. He's the God of this Bible who came and in, and in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, rose from the dead, sat in the right hand of the majesty on high, and indwells us by his own power. Isn't that wonderful? He's seated in the heavenlies in the throne beside himself indwelling you. It's a, I explain that. Well, I wish I could. Uh, but it's a lot of things that we don't understand that we believe. Uh, I believe it's basically not a failure in any way for God to communicate to us, but his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, you take your dog to the vet, and you try to uh, explain to that dog why it's important for him to get a shot, he's not going to understand why you're making him hurt. 
He's a dog, right? His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your way. And so it's kind of the same thing with our children. A lot of times they don't understand. I remember Hunter had a, um, uh, what do they call that, staph infection when he was young. It re- made him real sick, scared us to death. We'd never been through anything like that. And uh, I remember sitting on that table, I mean, Hunter sitting on that table, and that doctor come in and stick that needle in him. That thing was out long. And uh, I have never felt worse about being a parent, but I almost passed out. And I had to step aside, and he's sitting there crying on that table. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't leave him sitting here to suffer, uh, and I want to make him stop, but I can't. Uh, because it's the best thing for him. And he doesn't understand that. You know, why are you making me go through this? Well, uh, I, I don't know. I, I've heard men try to explain that. I heard one man explain it very well, I think, in a satisfactory manner to me anyway, is that if God did explain it to me, there's no way that I think my mind could really grasp why God allows all that he allows to happen. Um, I can't hardly explain it. You can't explain it to a three-year-old why they're having to go through suffering and things like that. But you just know it's best for them that that were to happen. So I can't explain all of that. I don't know why. Uh, I just come to terms with the fact that God is God and I trust that he would never hurt me. He's working things together for good. And I just have to trust that. And we have to trust that. We can't always explain why God allows things to happen in our life. But we just have to trust that it's somehow it's right. Somehow it's the right thing. God's it's, He's working these things together uh, for our good, and I, I, we just have to trust His character. And uh, and and that was very difficult for me before I got saved. But I just came to that conclusion. I mean, even if even if even if God were to make it so, we always say, well, why does God? Why did He ever? Uh, this is the part that always bothered me. Maybe it bothered you. Uh, why did God ever come out and put the tree there to begin with? Has anybody ever had a thought like that? Now, why not just make the garden, put two people in it, and leave it alone? I don't understand that. Why put the garden in there? If sin is the transgression of the law, why bring the law in? Why did he bring the law in and knowing they were going to break it? Has anybody, am I the only one that seems about half crazy to have thought things like that? Sure, all of us at some time or another have thought, now God, why? I, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your business, but I just don't know if I'd have done it that way. That's because you're not God. And thank goodness we're not. He is, he is holy and he, he, is, he is different. He is undefiled. He is totally, he is the creator God who holds everything in consistence by his own power, created it from nothing. He can, he can speak things into existence. He can, he, he's on a totally separate level. That's why the Bible said, uh, uh, sanctify God in your heart. Uh, set him aside that you might be ready. Uh, God's t- altogether different than everybody else. See, I, I say it all the time, but he's not our co-pilot and all the where they dumb him down to that kind of level. He is the God of heaven, and he's over everything. And he, his eyes are, uh, are, are running to and fro throughout the earth. They see everything. God knows everything instantaneously. He's never learned anything. He's never uh, only chose not to remember, never forgotten anything. He's perfect in every way way. He's complete. He's perfect in all of his attributes and all of his knowledge and all of his love and all of his character. Everything that God is. So who are we, is what Paul said, to reply against our maker, why have thou made me thus? We don't know like God knows. We don't see like God sees. 
Right? And so what if, uh, and, and this is one uh, that, I, that has helped me with this, maybe it'll help you some, but um, say for instance, uh, that, uh, if, if, if things were, if God were to create something in a totally different way, take for instance, uh, um, uh, one example, um, if uh, you and you're how you are today and who you are. Uh, I'm trying to put this out in a way that where it helped me. Uh, your mom and dad came together, and um, uh, those two come together, and uh, from them uh, you came forth, and everything that you are and who you're made, the, the Bible said, I mean, how you're made, uh, the Bible says that all of your whole being is created and, and, and is uh, unfolded from the book of God, or all your members were recorded in a book, and you're fashioned according to how God wanted you to be made. And uh, so people assuming... Uh, that uh, if uh, God would have made another world that was totally perfect uh, without uh, the situation that we're in now, uh, that somehow we'd be better off. But the difference is uh, that that wouldn't be me. See, if, you're, if your mom and dad, Brother Reed, had gotten, uh, uh, not had, had come together and uh, say uh, something happened and, and they got in a fight and she, and she went and she married somebody else, they may have had a son, but he wouldn't have been you. Right? I mean, we're, we're assuming uh, that uh, if situations changed in our life, that we would be better. But you're, that person wouldn't be you. Uh, another person may have come along who didn't have a bad foot and, uh, you know, and had a better, uh, uh, well, I'm going to use myself. Uh, a, a man come along better that uh, was better looking and, uh, uh, you know, not as half crazy and, uh, you know, all those various things that I uh, have in myself. He may, they may have, my mom may have uh, married someone else and may have had a, a person that was more talented, may have been, but it wouldn't have been me. So, so, so just what if God, in his infinite wisdom, things had to come together the way that they have come together for you to be you? And what if you, being who you are and how you're made, what if that is the one thing in this world that God values most? And had it been any different, you wouldn't have been you. Now, that's assuming God didn't have the ability to create you under other circumstances. But again, if we just have to, at some point, we have to resign ourselves to the fact that God's knowledge is so far above ours that we just have to let him be Lord and not enter into places that we don't understand. We're like the dog getting the shot. Right? It's painful. It hurts. Uh, but uh, I don't understand it all. I don't know why he's making us go through this. But this much I know. I know he loves me. He values me. And he saved my soul and came into this sin-cursed world to die for me and rose from the dead for me. And I will see him again one day. Nobody that loves me that much would intentionally hurt me. Right? So just trust the character of God. Uh, we're making assumptions that we have no way. Of, uh, so God, uh, being who God is, uh, allowed things to happen the way that they are and uh, um, allowed uh, Ad, uh, Eve to do what she did and Adam uh, did what he did. And, uh, and, and we, the course of the world is as we know it today uh, in its uh, naturally fallen state. Uh, but uh, uh, what's amazing to me is that he still chose to love you anyway. You fallen and in a fallen world. That's amazing to me. 
So let's just let be God. Let God be God, and uh, let's just remember that we don't know and we don't see like He does. Uh, but uh, so the like figure. I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway, uh, the like figure. Uh, whereunto in baptism now save us uh, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, so no wonder. Uh, I guess what I was getting at um, is we have nothing to be ashamed of, right? Paul said, I am deader, right? I am ready, and I am not ashamed. Those, was that the first chapter, I am? I am deader both to the, to the wise and the unwise. I am ready to what? Preach the gospel. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to preach it either, because it's the power of God and the salvation to anybody that will believe it. Hallelujah. Nothing to be ashamed of. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Wonderful. So we have in the gospel, uh, we have been born up above the judgment uh, that is down below and uh, carried on safely to the other side. And we're safe now. Right? Isn't that wonderful? We are blessed tonight. That's kind of made me a little happier than I was when I first come in here. How about you? Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus loved you, died for you, rose from the dead, and that God that knows all things that way and can create 7 billion people alive today and is able to operate in that kind of realm with the knowledge that he has seated beside himself and another person on the earth and indwelling many believers and creating things. I mean, this is the God that we serve. Chose to love you, save you, live in you, and by by his resurrection from the dead, has given you life, has brought to life and immortality to life through the gospel. And you will never die. Isn't that wonderful? Now you better encourage yourself in the Lord. That's a good place to start. I'm never going to die. Isn't that wonderful? Now we got to go on. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, he's alive. Now, look at verse number 22. And this, uh, we're not there yet. We're still in that working there of the conscience. But in uh, verse in, uh, number 22, um, it says, uh, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And uh, so this uh, Jesus that has risen from the dead for me and you uh, is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. That's where he ever liveth, making intercession for us now. And angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Isn't it wonderful to know the power of the God you serve? Wouldn't you hate to serve Muhammad and uh, Allah and, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, well, I don't want to use those words, but boy, they're messed up. I'd hate for that to be my confidence and my hope. Um, My hope is in the creator God of heaven. Uh, who gives life and is able to take life and uh, uh, wounds and heals and makes alive and uh, has all power. Look at this. All authority and all power. Is that not what we're battling? Principalities and powers, spiritual witness and high places? Well, who has power over all that? Well, I'm worried about our country. Well, I'm worried about it too, but I know who's in charge of all of them. And I know at any moment that he wants to, he'll have them all. The Bible says, sit down on my right hand till I make thine enemies thine footstool. (laughs) You know what that is, don't you? Now, a footstool don't get a lot of credit. But uh, 
we take it for granted, some of it. But that footstool is just something he's prompting his feet up on. That's yeah, just something Jesus, this is, this is what, this is the, uh, all those powers of darkness, all the enemy that works against us every day. It's trying to destroy the nation. It's trying to destroy you. It's trying to, trying to destroy the church. Jesus Christ has got the power and he, he's so powerful. They're just nothing but a footstool to him. He's just something he can rest his foot on. That's a, that is a powerful God uh, that can bind up powers like that and just, and just prop his feet up on them. It just, that tickles me to death. Boy, he's powerful. Well, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know about this situation. Boy, we sound terrible when we talk like that. If God's got the power to bind the forces of darkness, to chain the devil himself, uh, doesn't even really need the help, but chooses to allow others to pitch in on it, uh, could do it all by speaking a word, uh, can plays with him like the, uh, what in Job talks about that dragon. Anyway, but he, it's so, this is how he views them, nothing but just something to prop his foot up on. And we're worried about what's go, what, how we're going to get through tomorrow. I, I don't know, I don't know how things are going to turn out. Well, I don't know how they're going to turn out, but I know who's got it all under control. God's not lost control. It looks chaotic. But it's not chaotic. God's got it all under control. Everything's running right on time, and you just keep trusting in God. Young people, just keep trusting God. He's still in control. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. I don't care what the numbers look like. And here's what he's going to get into, and I'm going to get to it quickly. He's going to talk about, there's one thing I wanted to talk to you young people about, and this warfare that's considered. You've got to get your mindset right. I do this all the time in my family uh, too often. They get tired of it. I know. I'm sure they do. But I like to have my mind set with direction. Does anybody else like to do that? I, I don't seem like a very structured fellow sometimes, but in some things I really am. And i got to have my mind set, okay, this is what we are going to do. This is the direction we are going. This is the short-term goal. This is the mid-term. This is long-run what I want to do. And uh, so uh, it helps to just have your mind set right and have some direction. And what happens happens to a lot of people. Uh, this is what happened when they started dumbing down the gospel and made it something you could raise your hand for. Uh, they didn't prepare people. When they got into the battle, they fell by the wayside because they didn't realize that Christianity was a warfare. <laughs> they thought, well, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to kick my heels up and ride this thing in cruise control until I get to heaven. I don't think so. The devil's not down at the bar bothering people that's drunk tonight. Right? He's battling anybody trying to do something for God. That's who he's against. That's the only ones that the Bible said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God, the devil fears one thing, and it ain't me and you. It is our great God. He told him, he told him Brother Pentecost, he said, oh, we know, we know who you are. Have you come to persecute us before our time? Even the devils knew who he was, and they were afraid of one thing, and they were afraid Jesus was going to torment them. And instead, he sent them to the beach. With all the other devils. <laughs> Laugh at that. I'm joking. Now, some people are so mad I said that. Some of you just get back from the beach. Got quiet in here. Now, listen. Uh, so, uh, get your mind uh, focused on the right thing. Christianity is not something uh, where you live in some little bubble and life never, uh, you never have any problems. And, and uh, if you have any problems, it's a sign you're out of the will of God. Actually, contrary-wise, it could be argued that somebody suffering the most could be the most in the will of God. 
So, so that has nothing to do with it. We don't live for or not for the suffering. None of that, none of that matters. We set our mindset. The Bible has said that God has chosen us to be soldiers in a war. So he's going to tell them to arm themselves likewise with the same mind. And we have to arm ourselves, when we get to chapter number four, we have got to arm ourselves for a warfare that's going to take place. That if the devil's not trying to knock you out, you'll knock yourself out by listening to your own imaginations. Uh, There's all kinds of enemies against you in a battle. That's what a warfare is. And even uses a word that pictures that Greek soldier. And so I, I want to I look just quickly at chapter number four. We got through chapter three and verse 22. And know that uh, here's, here's, here's something to have your mind on. Okay? He that has chosen you and put you in this battle is seated on the right hand of God in the, in the heavens and has all power, all principalities and authorities and powers are made subject unto him. So if you got any problems, I suggest go to the one that's got all the power to do something about it. Quit looking at people. Go to God. I would say, well, this one's not doing, this one's not doing right. Well, I know one who is exactly where he's supposed to be tonight, and that's Jesus Christ. He's got all the power, and he's seated on the right hand of God, and that's who you need to go to anyhow. Keep your eyes on him, because this thing is a battle. And you're going to be, when you get out there, you're already experiencing some of it. But when you're turned loose with more freedom and you have the opportunity to go the ways that you want to go, you better be armed with a certain mind. And that mind is to not be caught off guard when you start suffering persecutions and problems. What happens to a lot of people, and a lot of pastor's kids a lot of times, they, they run from, from Christianity because they'll look at the suffering of their dad, the pastor. I've noticed a lot of pastor's kids do that. Could you say amen to that, Brother Jones, Brother Michael? You've seen your dad go through a lot of things, I'm sure. And it's not made you happy with some people and probably how they've treated Ronnie Jones. And if you're not careful, you can have the tendency, not just pastor's kids, but oh, when you start seeing suffering in the church, you'll start thinking things, well, it, it, doesn't, look like, it doesn't look like you're doing right because look at all you're going through. Or it doesn't look like this way's right because look at all your suffering. This crowd over here is not suffering like that. So it doesn't look like you're right because you're suffering. The flesh has a tendency to do that. We don't view things like that. That's fleshly. So arm yourself with this mind. Look at verse number one and be ready so that you're not knocked out when problems come your way and you start suffering. Every, and I've heard people say that every time I try to do something for God, it seems like life just falls apart. Well, of course, because you have an adversary, the devil, who is like a roaring lion, roaring about, seeking whom he may help out with life? No. Devour. That's a warfare. You're going to see blood and guts and bite. This is a, this is a fight. And fighting, like my daddy always taught me, fighting is nasty. Now, that's not deep theology. But it's true. Fighting's ugly. And you're, gonna, you're in a battle. You're fighting against. My old pastor used to say, I wouldn't jump on a Christian for nothing in my life. He said, then the fightingest bunch of people you'll ever meet on God's earth. We're fighting the devil, fighting the flesh, fighting each other half the time. This is a warfare. 
And Jesus didn't hide it in fine print. If you want to be saved, just come over here. You can sit on a pew, occupied, and just sit there. And uh, um, I'll come get you one day and just do the best you can. You know, if you're sin, you're sin, but grace will abound. I wouldn't worry much about it. Come when you want to. Do what you want to. Live how you want to. I'll come get you anyway. You'll be all right. All you'll lose rewards anyhow. He didn't put that in the fine print. He put in bold letters, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And don't think it's strange concerns. So there's some strange things happen to you. Is that not what he's telling us here? So don't be caught off guard like something's wrong with you because you start suffering and things go wrong in your life. You're a Christian. The devil hates your guts. If you try to do something for God. Now, if you just want to coast, you may make it all right. I have a feeling your father won't be happy about it. But if you try to do something for God, you're going to get attacked. You say, well, I don't want to do anything for God then. Well, something's bad wrong with you. Look at this first verse, and then we got to go tonight. But this helped me. So this Savior who loves us and has died and risen for us is seated in the right hand of God and the authority, angels and authority, all that power is being made subject to him. And then we start looking at the warfare that's considered in verse number one of chapter four. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. And so that is the beginning of what he's talking about. Uh, this uh, same Jesus uh, um, that has gone up into the heavens, this same one that's enthroned uh, by the majesty on high, uh, that same one also suffered for sins once in the flesh. So what's that, tell, what's that telling us? It's telling us that anybody uh, that's, that's in the flesh, not, not in the sense that we are not of the flesh or the spirit, but in the flesh and that you're alive. He's going to go and talk about the quick and the dead. He's going to talk about those that are alive and the dead. You're alive. You're in the flesh in the sense that you're living. You are going to suffer. So did your Savior because of sin. Well, this person's mean to me. Well, that's what happens in a fallen world. They're in a fallen body. They're being attacked probably by other peoples from somewhere else. And sometimes people just lash out. It's just a warfare, Right? It's part of the battle. You're going to see some ugly things if you're going to fight. Now, if you don't want to fight and stick your head in the sand, I don't know. But if you want to battle for God and you've chosen to be a soldier, it's going to be ugly. You're going to see your parents go through things. That doesn't mean that they're out of the will of God because they're suffering for what they believe. Nor does it you when you get in that position. Arm yourself with a like mind. You're in a fallen world, and as long as there's sin in this world and there's still a Savior still in heaven, there's going to be problems. There's going to be wars physically. There's going to be spiritual battles. There's going to be people getting mad in the church and, and, and getting mad at this. And people are going to argue and fuss and fight because we're in a fallen world and sinful bodies. You've got to arm yourself with that mind. Be ready for it. Don't let it knock you out like something crazy. Some people, they get in a church battle and they just, it, it throws them all that. Well, I didn't think people were this way. I'll be honest with you. That's what happened to me. When I got saved, I just thought everybody wanted to dress right and live right and talk right. You know what happens when you first get saved. Everybody else is wrong. You got it all right. You're going to straighten everybody else out probably. My poor family put up with so much, my mom and dad and them. I thought it was my job to straighten everybody out when I first got saved. But still think it's my job a little bit sometimes. 
But no, I first got saved, and, and man, I just thought it was just black and white. I didn't, know, I didn't know for probably seven or eight years that there was ever a problem in the church. I was blind to most of it. I just come in wanting to worship Jesus and shout and praise and worship, and I didn't know anybody was mad. I, didn't, I, mean, I just thought everybody loved Jesus and just wanted to. Uh, and then I find out that uh, I get mad myself and this one gets upset. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't get discouraged at the truth just because of uh, suffering, just because of battles and, and struggles. It's going to be that way until Jesus comes. There's going to continue to be battles. What I want to exhort you to do is jump in there with both feet, head first, all of your being, and jump in and help fight some battles with us. Amen. That's what I want to see. Just jump in there head first and get in there and start swinging. Amen. Don't start swinging at me. But swing, get in there and start swinging, okay? Just get in there and fight for the, fight for the Lord and for the right. And... Uh, um, you know, you're going to, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just amazed. And I think what happens, Brother Jones, sometimes I'm done. But I think what happens sometimes is people think they have an idea of what they think things are going to be like. And I know what that's like. When I started homeschooling my children and I started, you know, uh, I, I thought that if I would do A and B, that then it would always equal C. I just, I just didn't, my mind just wasn't right. What I forgot was, I still have fallen children. <laughs> They've got a daddy that's sometimes in the flesh, a mama that's trying her best to do right and fighting battles, and it's not always going to go that way. Uh, just because you go to a Christian school doesn't mean you're going to turn out a Christian. Just because you're homeschooled doesn't mean you're going to turn out right. Just because you, uh, your parents take you to church, uh, parents, as much as we, uh, as much as we uh, uh, have uh, 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 deprived ourselves of to try to raise our children the absolute best we possibly can, it is no guarantee that they are going to, in their own person, do right when every time you think they ought to do right. Right? Two amens. And say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes I think we get discouraged because we forget that this is a warfare, this is a battle, and the enemy's coming after our children, he's coming after our wives, he's coming after our deacons, he's coming after our pastors, he's coming after every church member, he's trying to destroy us. We better get serious about what we're doing. Floating in and out and being, uh, 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 whenever I feel like it up and down, in and out, Christian's not going to cut it. This is not going to cut it. Uh, you're either in or you're out, and if you're lukewarm, it makes God want to throw up. Is that not what the Bible teaches? So get in, is what I say, and just get in there and start fighting. That's what I say. Now, please don't take that the wrong way. I don't want to see nobody fighting, okay? You know what I mean by that, don't you? Just jump in there, and we'll get to looking at that at that warfare. And he's going he's going to go on and talk about some things that are really going to help us uh, when we start getting our mind on that, uh, arming our say, ourselves also that he no longer should live the time pass of our life. And he's going to talk about not just one day we're going to be delivered, and where he is there we shall be also, but right now, right now, we can live in a manner that is different. Is meeting up to the standard uh, that is uh, the expectations that we should be living up to, right? 
so we don't have to wait till we get to heaven. But he, we'll look at that later on. Just, uh, just, just, just try to remember. I try to remember uh, as much as I of, as often as I can. Uh, I don't care if it's in your marriage, if it's in your children, children, or you get upset at your parents. Um, I don't care where the problem is. If it's somebody at church you're upset with, some, something happened where you get into it, somebody at the job, or whatever, whatever your situation is, please try to always remember, arm yourself with this mind. The devil is out to destroy everybody. And he's at work in this thing. And don't take it so personal because sometimes maybe they just let their guard down and he slipped in and maybe they said something they wish they wouldn't have said. And just have a little grace. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not a soul asked for that. He just forgave them. You know why? Because he was armed with this mind. He knew that sin was the problem. Sin was destroying lives. And so don't get discouraged. Young people, jump in there. Hey, older people, all of us, we need to, we need to just, just get back to battling and fighting for the Lord and doing right. And uh, we'll see some more as we move on into chapter 4. But Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for even allowing us the privilege that we have of being raised from the dead. Um, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were worse dead uh, than Lazarus was. We were, we were dead in sin and you spoke life and you raised us. And Lord, I want to thank you for the salvation that we have here tonight for every Christian, but that you would help us to walk in that newness of life. You said that we are no longer under the dominion and power of sin, but that we can live uh, in the spirit and do the will of God. So I pray for every Christian tonight. Someone may be here saved and struggling, uh, Lord, with the will of God for their life. I pray you'd help them to see all that you've accomplished for them. And Lord, I pray for that soul may be unsaved. Help them to get saved tonight. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You want to stand to your feet a moment? We'll have a verse and then be dismissed tonight.